Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I am Dr. Taylor Garcia, a doctor of chiropractic, also based in Orange County, and I also use she, her pronouns. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Coco Cabrel, an MD and flamenco dancer who is also one of my professors at SCU. Dr. Cabrel, please tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, I am an MD uh, coming out of Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. I'm also a flamenco dancer and choreographer, and... uh, sort of found flamenco as an adult, even though I had danced my whole life, ballet, uh, Philippine folk dance, Hawaiian and Tahitian, um, but found flamenco as an adult while I was nursing my second child. Um, And I wanted to return to dance, but I knew, you know, my postpartum breastfeeding body needed a beginner dance class. So found flamenco, and it really gave me the physical strength to um, you know, kind of continue through that postpartum period, continue breastfeeding uh, that particular baby for two years. And also, it gave me the physical strength to heal uh, from a herniated disc without surgery. And it also gave me, at the same time that I was healing from that herniated disc, the emotional empowerment to rise stronger. I was going through a divorce at the time as well. Um, while I was still in Chicago, getting stronger, I met my now husband, Jan Shane, um, who is a native of Poland, and he was a flamenco dancer in the dance company that I had recently been asked to join. And when the artistic director put us together for the first time, oh my gosh, like as partners, sparks flew in the rehearsal studio and we eventually were cast as Othello and Desdemona of all right of all pairs oh my goodness um in the U.S. premiere of Otello which was a flamenco ballet that the great Madrid maestro Firo had um, choreographed at the time and you know fast forward a few years to the time when I was pregnant with our first son, I was teaching flamenco dance and anatomy and physiology at the University of New Mexico in Taos. And thank goodness in Taos, there is the Taos Midwifery Center. And, you know, we really wanted for this birth, a more natural birth than we had experienced in our first marriages. So, We hooked up with Taos Midwifery Center. They gave us a Russian video, like actual video cassette tape, um, which dates us. But uh, it was a video cassette tape on water birth, and we were totally hooked. Uh, And in that um, pregnancy with the goal, the end goal was water birth, uh, I taught my flamenco classes and performed full three-hour shows throughout that entire pregnancy and postpartum. Jan was with me, (laughs) kind of literally by my side because he's my dance partner. Um, The whole time, that birth was so easy that I thought to myself, as 
oh my goodness, like as this baby is coming out, oh, I could do this again. And I I did, I did. Um, We have a second son together and uh, for his birth, that was a water home birth. Um, And by that time, our then 22 month old joined us in the pool in our living room. So, uh, so that's a little bit of my, my little story there. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I literally just finished recording an episode with Jan talking all about the two water births and sharing the story of how you guys met and everything. Um, so for our listeners, if you want to hear more about, um, this deep dive into their, water birth stories um stay tuned for next week and we will release yawn's episode all about this because it was so great um so coco we um we invited you to come on here today really to talk about flamenco and exercise and that how that helped you through your pregnancy and the birth um can we start by asking you you know what is it about birth that's always lit your fire what is it you're most passionate about yeah i'll tell you Starting definitely in medical school, you know, when I had to rotate through Obigaini, um, I'll tell you, I got choked up, completely choked up every dang time that I helped bring a baby into this world. There is something so miraculous and so magical about the process. And, you know, each woman is is her own unique, special self. She's in her own unique situation, you know, some of the situations that that I had seen were very, very difficult situations, um, either physically or emotionally or sort of socioeconomically. But it just didn't matter. It was always, it was always magic. And and there was something about just watching this brand new being just come out into the world that really got me. And I, I would always have tears in my eyes every single time. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So Dr. Cabral, so how does exercise and maybe dance specifically help with the pregnancy and birth process? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you dance, first of all, is a very overall type of exercise. You really get the entirety of your body involved with dance. And specifically for flamenco, you really get that muscle strength in there. And it's very, very deep muscle strength. But I will also add that it's not just about core. You know, I think a lot of, uh, probably especially a lot of pregnant women will will think or assume like, oh, my core has to stay strong because my core is expanding and I'm going to need my core, you know, to push this thing out of me. Um, but it's, it's actually so much more than core. You also are going to need your legs and your arms and your back to use like all of your power, all of that physical and emotional, we can talk about that later, but that physical power to, yes, push this baby out. Um, And that is a lot of what flamenco specifically gives is that deep and thorough and all over muscle strength. And I'll tell you another thing that um, 
Flamenco gives is flexibility in the joints. And the thing about flexibility in the joints is that as anyone's pregnancy progresses, especially as you get closer and closer to delivery time, your joints naturally loosen up as as part of that normal physiological process to allow especially those joints in the pelvis to be able to naturally give way, right? Give way just enough to let that baby pass through. So so by developing muscle strength around those joints with dance with exercise and especially with flamenco dance which gets to that very deep muscle strength um you you help the joints to not get so loose that you actually um fall a lot of women actually end up falling because their joints are are just they're loosening like normal but you're kind of not used to that you know and so you put weight on you know one leg the other leg while you're walking and then suddenly oops something in your pelvis is just a little bit too jiggly in there um not to mention your your center of gravity yes is literally changing yes especially as you get towards the end it's not where it's been your whole adult (laughs) life (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, and, and actually speaking to that that point that you mentioned, Elle, about your center of gravity constantly changing, the other great thing about dance and specifically flamenco is that, you know, we work on balance, balance in flamenco and, and really actually finding specifically that center of gravity so that, yeah, if it's, if it's, in a certain place one day and it's in a really different place the next day, you know, you have that self-awareness developed inside, you know, because you've been dancing, right? You've been exercising. Um, and so you're already in tune with that so that you can find it, right? As mm-hmm. it shifts over time. Very valuable. And a little bit of background for our audience you know, you've seen ballet and that, you know, that very kind of straight up and down center. But with flamenco, you're kind of often in a very sort of like, like lifted and arch position. Um, mm-hmm. I did a flamenco routine with Dr. Cabrell at SCU when I was still in school. And as a dancer who had been doing ballet most of my life, learning that kind of slightly off kilter position that flamenco has with that, how your arms are kind of lifted and back a little bit. And you're very kind of, you're very, you know, aware of the, um, like the space around you, not just the space up and down as it is with ballet. Um, it was a very neat experience for me kind of having to switch my brain from ballet to that very different style. So that concept of the center of gravity, you know, as you have to find it in flamenco is definitely a very unique experience, um, for someone who's done ballet most of her life. Absolutely. And I remember that show. That was such a wonderful show. And it was that such was a so wonderful experience. Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, Taylor, it was fantastic. And, you know, the preparation into that show. And I, I remember as if it were yesterday, you know, working with you and watching you and knowing that you came from a ballet background, just as I had. And, you know, when you're training in flamenco, whether you're pregnant or not, um, you, you do have to kind of break, you know, those, those ballet habits. I 
I absolutely know breaking every single ballet habit uh, to to kind of break through to that flamenco posture, which yeah can can be you know pretty extreme compared to ballet. And you're right there. There's a there's a sense of kind of um, kind of like an upward arc, like an uplifted arc um, is, is kind of like I, how I like to think about it. Maybe like a, uh, maybe like a water fountain or um, an upward spiral or, you know, something like that. And uh, uh, maybe another image also including the arms, because you were talking about the arms is like a bird of prey. When a bird of prey opens its wings, like that process right there is very, very flamenco. Um, So, you know, but the, but a bird of prey, that's, that's a strong bird. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're talking about is coming from a place of great strength. So with flamenco being like an entire whole body strength and like, centering as kind of a weird mm-hmm. dichotomy of being you know the bird of prey the the action versus the the center that require like the inward motion that kind of back and forth you have to do with flamenco and i guess how do, how does that also kind of you know help with the pregnancy process because you know you're you're gaining that strength but you're also having to you know kind of internalize a little bit and i guess how does that dichotomy kind of work like towards the birth process and towards like that final stage once the baby's born, you know, flamenco it is is almost by definition an internal process. Uh, it it's all about digging deep inside yourself. It's all about um, you know oppression and then finding the place inside yourself to to figure out the way out. Right, figure out the the way that you are going to get out of oppression and come out of it beautiful, right? Come out of it better, right? Better than ever. And, and, you know, approaching birth and passing through that birth process is very, very much the same. You know, you've been uh, kind of kind of thrown into a situation, you know, of being pregnant. And it's, it's like, you know, you, you used to be accustomed to your body and using your body in a certain way, right. For your whole life. And then you're pregnant and then the body just takes over and you can't control, you know, well, gee, how much weight am I gaining? Or like you said, gee, where is my center of gravity today? You know, um, gee, am I going to throw up today? You know, right? So you can't you can't necessarily control these things. So it's it's its own special, very special version of oppression. Um, and I, I think that's a very heavy word for pregnancy, but but it's its own special version of you know dealing with a situation that is in many ways out of your control. So it. To, to get through these nine months, right? And get to that birth day, right? To get to that process right there, that's already an internal process, right? There are going to be some days that are not good, 
right? That are not fun. And you have to dig deep. You have to um, uh, be in touch with that skill, right? That skill that allows you to dig deep. And flamenco gives you that skill, right? It teaches you in a physical way how to emotionally dig deep when you need it, right? And then, okay, now you're at the birth day. Oh, and we're talking about a whole new ball game, right? That day. So then you really, really have to dig deep um, because, you know, even, even if you're an experienced uh, mom, each birth is very different from the others. So there might happen different uh, events, you know, over the course of that birth, even if you kind of knew how it was going to go based on previous births. So, you know, you might suddenly again have to dig really deep and figure out, well, okay, how am I going to get through this, right? How am I going to get through this? So, so by working with flamenco, that process, um, and kind of training yourself and developing those skills ahead of time, um, I think you're very well prepared, right? With digging deep, going inside, finding the strength, right? Finding the physical strength, finding the emotional strength when you need it the most. I really like that, that idea that your dance practice is giving you not just physical strength, but emotional, mental strength to persevere. Um, so Coco, are there, are there limitations that pregnant people should be taking into consideration when they're exercising? Sure. I think each woman needs to, first of all, get clearance from her doctor and or midwife, because each woman is going to have, you know, her own personal medical history and her own history, uh, within that pregnancy, right, of previous pregnancies, but also within that pregnancy. So you do want to at least get that, that sort of official clearance. And, and you also want to keep up with your checkups over time, because even within, you know, one pregnancy, your situation, right, your physical situation, your medical situation um, will be shifting. And that is not necessarily a bad thing at all, at all, but it'll be shifting just as your, as we said before, just as your center of gravity is constantly shifting. So, you know, you do want to be checking in at your regular checkups just to be sure that, you know, you've still got the okay, that baby is doing great and mom is doing great so that you can continue with your exercise. So Dr. Cabral, if you, let's just say you had a mom coming in, maybe beginning to have to deal with that center of balance, center of gravity shift, coming in for their first lesson, kind of talk us through how you would sort of start them on the process of, of learning flamenco. They've never done, never done it before in their life. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, definitely. You know, I always start with having people work on actually their upper body, which, which sounds a little bit counterintuitive, right? Um, Cause we're talking about this center of gravity, you know, kind of 
shifting and it tends to shift, you know, sort of outward and down. Um, but I like to work with people on their upper body mainly because as that center of gravity, you know, kind of shifts outward and downward, the, the tendency is to kind of drag, you know, the upper body with it um, just because it's so heavy, right? And towards the end, it just gets so heavy. Um, so I like to work with people on their upper body and really uh, uh, open up the shoulders, open up the chest and build up that upper body strength and and keep up with the shoulder um flexibility, the shoulder mobility, so that, actually, so that they can breathe more easily, um, first of all, and, and kind of feel upright. And like, right there, that alone helps a lot with, with, you know, that progressive outward and downward shift of that center of gravity. So I like to start there. And then, and then, work down. And then probably the next thing is actually getting down to the ground, like getting um, the the pregnant woman, the client grounded in her legs, grounded in her feet. Um, so it, it kind of sounds like I'm skipping over the obvious thing, the obvious thing in the middle, right? But, but um, what I found, I'll tell you, um, I performed basically all the way through that uh, third pregnancy of mine, which was my first water birth. And uh, so I was doing, you know, full three-hour shows. And the the last show that I happened to do just because of my schedule was at, let's see, I think we were at like maybe T minus five weeks, somewhere in there. And um, I will tell you, my best footwork happened in that show. Like my best footwork that I've ever executed in a show happened in that show. Really? Yes, absolutely for real. And it was because, it was because I was so very grounded. Oh my goodness. And I'm not talking about being grounded as in heavy. I'm going to put heavy in quotation marks, right? You know, heavy because I had gained, you know, X number of pounds with, with this baby that was going to be born in five weeks. Right. Um, but it was because I was grounded in that, um, partly physical from the physical training of dance, flamenco dance specifically, um, and also that emotional grounding that flamenco was giving me day after day after day because I was, you know, teaching and performing the whole time. So um, it was it was a sense of grounding that was very much, uh, you know, in that pelvis, but then beyond that pelvis, like deep into the legs, deep into the earth really that was the sensation and that is a very empowering sensation because then you realize you feel that you've got support right that that you're not going to just just lose control and and 
not know, right, what's going to happen or, or be afraid of what's coming or anything like that. Um, there's a sense of security there with that grounding. I wonder if since you're at T minus five weeks, that's when usually when like the amniotic fluid starts lessening and the baby starts getting ready to turn head down, mm. like naturally, I wonder if that like, like, mo- like mother baby connection somehow kind of added to that. Where it's kind of like the baby's like, you know, we're, let's, we're getting ready to go. And then you were like, kind of like, your body kind of reacted to that and allowed you to kind of have that real sense of ground. And I wonder if that was, I mean, just a question. I wonder if it might have been something along those lines. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. And I'll tell you, I, I always felt that, you know, there was something very magical about that particular pregnancy because that was the one of the four that was the one where I was the most active in dance. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe some people would look at it and say, wow, Coco, that was kind of extreme, you know, <laughs> cause I was doing everything, um, you know, teaching my full schedule and performing my full schedule, but it fed me it fed me and it gave me great joy and it made me feel strong and it it made me actually feel beautiful especially compared to my first two pregnancies where you know for various different reasons maybe i didn't quite feel as beautiful you know but this one i absolutely absolutely felt radiant radiant and uh, you know, I here I was putting on the dress, putting on the shoes, doing all the stuff, having those beautiful arms and having people applaud, you know, and, and give me standing ovations. It was, you know, what a, what a powerful experience. And and I really feel like that that uh, was was communicated to that baby. Um, and I'll tell you that birth was by far the easiest one of the three. This was a super easy birth. Oh, and I've had, I, my first one was super tough, but, uh, so easy three pushes and he was out. I'm telling you easy, but I, I really feel like, I, I feel like kind of like what you're saying, um, that, what I was doing and what was sort of happening around me within flamenco was, was being transmitted, you know, to him inside. And he was definitely responding in kind and, uh, and he came out super easy. (laughs) He was so excited to see the dance from the outside. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll tell you, I taught, I taught my kind of um, intermediate advanced class the night I had him, the very night I had him, and oh my gosh, I, I'm, I thought oh, yeah. Yon said it was the day before. It was oh, the no, same it was that night. night. Oh, it was that night. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was that night. I I had been contracting, you know, all during the day, and I had a gut feeling like, okay, tonight's going to be the night. But the contractions were not getting any closer, and they were not getting any stronger. So I was like, all right. I'm going to class. I am teaching this class. I'm going to do all the footwork full out and I'm definitely having this baby tonight. So, so I went and I, I taught the class. All my ladies knew 
they all knew that I had been contracting during the day and they were really, really nervous. And I'm like, I'm like doing the footwork and they're like really nervously doing the footwork behind me. And I'm over my shoulder. Come on, come on, footwork, you know, and, and if I uh, could do this, you could do this. Oh, totally. It was so much like that. It was so much like that. And so, so they were like, okay, super inspired also. And um, by the time it was the end of class, I think that class was, oh my goodness, I think it was like two or three hours, I don't remember. Um, and it was, you know, that intermediate advanced level. So we were doing hard footwork. And um, so by the end, I was like, yeah, the contractions are picking up. You guys, good job, good job. And then um, one of the ladies, she was so nervous. She's like, okay, I'm going to drive behind you in my car and be sure that you get home okay. So, so she did that, and then, and then I got home, told Jan everything, and uh, called the midwife, and we just had to wait. I think we only had to wait like another hour for my contractions to get close enough, and then she was like, yeah, come on in. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, is there something maybe also to the rhythm of flamenco that can be uh, helpful with like the birth process, actually the actual the actual birthing process that someone who is going through that could sort of use that rhythm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I think it really helps with breathing. That's one thing um, that is tied in with rhythm. Um, is you know, let's say timing your breaths or counting, right? Counting that that breath in and then counting that breath out. So, so there's definitely a rhythm in that. And there's definitely a rhythm in sort of that overall birth process itself, you know, where the contractions are, you know, um, let's say lengthening. So you're timing them and then they're also coming closer together. So you're timing those intervals. So there's that, you know, sense of rhythm as well. And, and for you as the woman, going through that that experience right of of contractions getting stronger and longer and also ah, closer together um i need to catch my breath right in between um you know there's there's that sensation of of and maybe that desire of of you know oh my gosh can i can i somehow um, work with this, right? Because, because especially, you know, as those contractions get super strong and long and you're just, you're just, you know, what can you focus on to get to the end of that contraction? Because, oh my goodness, when they're really, really super intense, it's just like every count is, at least in, in my mind, every count was Oh, wait, there's, I got to count another number, <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when is it going to be the last one for this contraction? Oh my gosh. Cause this is like so strong, um, you know, and then you've got that interval in between and when they're getting so close, it's like, you know, wait a second, wait a second. I haven't caught my breath yet, you know, and now I have to do another one. Um, so I, I think it's very helpful to, um, be, be accustomed to kind of going into the, into the birth be accustomed to counting, right? And, and, and listening to your body's rhythms, right? Um, so that when the rhythm speeds up, then you're able to handle it. You're able to kind of dig, again, dig deep and, and 
find your tools, right, for handling, oh my gosh, it's going really fast now, you know, or oh my gosh, I wish it would stop, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, those, those two extremes, and the two extremes are happening one after another, and then back, and then back, right? So um, it, it's so helpful to, to have a tool like rhythm to, to, to pull out of your toolbox in, that, in those moments, that's actually one of the most common coping mechanisms seen across all cultures when birthing is clinging to a rhythm of some kind. Mm. And the rhythm will change over the course of labor. It might start slow. It'll pick up. It might slow down again. It just depends on what stage you're at, what your actual birth experience is looking like. But that is the most common coping mechanism is finding a rhythm, whether that's swaying back and forth in some kind of rhythm or talking to yourself or muttering to yourself under your breath in some sort of rhythmized speech pattern mm -hmm. um, to, you know, tapping your hand or somebody brushing you can, it can be external as well. Somebody brushing your hair or stroking your arm or your back. It doesn't have to be internalized. Um, but, but that is one of the best coping mechanisms um, it's also why yoga, meditation, things like that are recommended so frequently um, to practice before labor is to get you into the mindset of being present in the moment and not worrying, like you said about that, like, oh my God, I have to count another number and another number. <laughs> it gets you to stop worrying about how many numbers you've already counted and how many more numbers are going to come and just be in that present moment of I'm here. I'm here right for the second. I'm getting through this right this second. And the next thing you know, it's another second and I'm still here and I'm still doing it. I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm still here doing it. And, and just constantly being in that present second. Right, right. Oh my gosh. All that stuff that you said is just so, so spot on. And I'll tell you, it's, it's very similar to the experience that you have. I'll, I'll talk about two experiences. One is the experience of performing. Mm -hmm. where you absolutely must be in that very second or you will you will you know forget your choreography um you if you're an actor you'll forget your lines right yeah. um so yeah so so that experience of being a performer um for me personally came in super handy as far as being absolutely present in that exact exact like razor thin moment and and the other thing is you know that transfers over into um you know dance class or you know dance exercise class or as i'm doing it now you know flamenco exercise class where you know i'm cueing people in that moment to okay you know what as we're working on our arm movements remember to check in on your belly button remember to check in on that pinky toe remember to check in with all these different body parts even though okay maybe the main movement is our arms right holding our arms over our head and doing something fancy you know with our hands but i'm constantly constantly cueing people to okay while you're doing that check back in 
right? Check back in with your collarbones. Are they lifted? Check back in with your shoulder blades. Are they anchored? Check back in with your belly button. Is that pulled in? Check. And like I said, check back in with that pinky toe. Is it pressing into the ground? And, you know, that is great training right there in being absolutely present in that razor thin moment while you've got something else going on in your own body, we're still going to check in with this other part of your body, right? So, So it develops that skill of being able to, in the moment, check in with different parts of your body, which is very, very useful very, very useful during, during pregnancy and and during that birth process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the people that I'm, that I'm teaching now, um, they have no intention of ever performing, but I'm still giving them that skill. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that ability to isolate, pay attention to the isolated parts of your body and, and be curious and ask yourself, what is this body part doing? How is this body part feeling? It, Like you said, is it anchored? When you're having a contraction, is the contraction actually painful? No, it's just a, my muscles are tightening and I don't have control of it. And that's scary. And that's where that pain is coming from. But once you can recognize the physical sensation of, this is just my abdomen, my uterus contracting. It's just the muscle tightening. Maybe it's less painful now and I can move through it because I've recognized I've isolated that body part, identified what that sensation is. It's a tightening sensation. But that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, there, there's no judgment associated with that physical sensation. And if we can move past that, that can give us coping mechanisms. And, you know, somebody brushing your hair, you can pay attention to the actual physical sensation of your hair being brushed and pay less attention to a contraction or if you're having back labor or things like that. You can you can have other things to keep your mind occupied. Right, right. And it's funny. uh, Speaking of back labor, I'll tell you the story of my second water birth. So this is my fourth and final, (laughs) fourth and final child. Um, And so his birth was a water birth at home. By that time, we had moved down to Santa Fe, and they unfortunately don't have this spectacular midwifery center. Um, So I, but I found myself a fantastic midwife. And Uh, you know, we ended up with this big giant blow up pool in the middle of our living room that we filled with, you know, warm water and, and did the birth there. But, you know, that, well, I'll I'll tell, I'll tell you first, before I tell you what happened with this one, my first, so this is comparing, like comparing and contrasting my first birth and my fourth birth. So my first birth um, was a hospital birth. And my daughter was coming out instead of coming out face down. She was coming out face up. And that, first of all, contributed to an incredible amount of back labor. Oh my gosh. So I was in such pain that I was vomiting the entire time. So every contraction I was vomiting. So my energy was going upward instead of going downward. So right there. And plus I'm vomiting. I mean, that's miserable. That is 
And for me, that's like one of the worst things. I hate, that's awful. So, so here I was miserable and she was really, really stuck. And I had gotten to this point in my mind where I, I lost it. And I, I was actually friends with my OB. I had trained under her. So we knew each other really, really well. And I, I remember looking at her, looking at her kind of through my legs there. And, and I had this, I'm sure, insane, wild look in my eyes. And I was like, I'm going to get up off of this table and I'm walking. Oh, also, by the way, this was an induction. This was an induction because she was already two weeks over. So, oh so yeah, so here I was having these insanely strong contractions, vomiting um, had been induced. And, and by now my mind was, was gone, right? And I was just like, I'm getting up off the table. I'm walking. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm done. And then she, she recognized that and she knew me well enough to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, you look at me. You look at me. Here's what we're going to do. And, you know, being, she's an excellent, excellent OB. But, you know, her tools are the OB tools. And she said, okay, I'm going to use the forceps. And, and, and I'll, I'll deliver her with the forceps. And I was just like, whatever. I mean, at that point, really, I was like, whatever. Oh my God. So just, this has to be over. Oh my gosh. So she did, she did a, a forceps delivery and, um, you know, it ended up being actually a traumatic birth for my daughter. Um, and, uh, so she ended up with, you know, right-sided weakness and has had to have, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, for really for her whole life. So she's 28 now and she's doing great, but, um, you know, that was a rough childhood probably because of, you know, this is kind of a tough birth. And so now fast forward to my fourth birth with a very, very wise midwife, super wise. And she knew my history. She knew my history. So I'm in the pool and she's, she's in with me. And, and uh, now this, this baby is starting to crown and she, the midwife realizes that this baby is also coming out face up. And I had really been struggling. Like I had expected that this water birth was going to be, oh yeah, just as easy as the third one, right? The previous one, which was three pushes, boom, we're done. But this one, ah, oh, dang, I was just like pushing and pushing. And why isn't this one as easy as the other one? Come on, you know? And so it turns out that it was because this one was coming out face up, but I'll tell you, this, this midwife was wise enough to not tell me, to not tell me that this baby was coming out face up. She, she knew, she knew that she'd still be able to deliver this baby safely, but she chose to just hold back just enough, right? Just long enough on that little bit of information to give me a chance, to give me a chance to do this without having to deal with my memories, my history that was traumatic, right? And so she worked it, she worked it 
thank goodness we were in the water so those tissues just gave way just a little bit extra and it ended up being a beautiful delivery brilliant absolutely brilliant and once you know she kind of kind of got that nose you know um good to go and it was it was just fantastic and so she she told me afterwards and i was so grateful because i knew i knew i would have i i would have lost it yeah i would have lost my mental edge knowing myself i would have lost my mental edge if i would have had that that moment of oh here we go again oh no yeah you, know? you would have lost that confidence that self-confidence exactly. in yourself that you had gained through that that third birth exactly exactly right so and can can you share with our listeners how big your fourth baby was because Jan told me afterwards <laughs> after we stopped recording so I want listeners to move forward when they hear Jan tell this story as well how big that your baby boy was yeah, he was just under 12 pounds. He almost wow. broke the scale. He almost broke the scale. That that midwife, she had one of those scales that was very old-fashioned. Um, I loved it, but it was that old-fashioned. sling with the, yeah. with the spring. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So that was, that was her scale, and he almost broke it. Like 12 pounds was, <laughs> was the limit on that scale. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. All my babies were big. I, my daughter was just over nine pounds, like nine pounds, one ounce. And then each baby kind of got basically a pound bigger. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So by the time I got to the last one, he was almost 12. And um, and I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I never had um, gestational diabetes because I know all the all the docs out there are going to ask the question, you know, well, did you have gestational diabetes with all these big babies? And um, no, I never did. But, uh, you know, I was a big baby myself. I was a nine pounder and my mom was tiny. She's tiny. She's way smaller than I am. So, um, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things. So. Sorry. I just, I had to ask cause Jan shared with me <laughs> after we stopped recording and I was <laughs> like, Oh, this is amazing. Cause we've talked about this before about, about big heads do not mean that the baby can't be birthed. Big babies is not a reason for a c-section oh like, no our bodies don't make babies that are too big to be birthed there are other ways it's just that so many of our hospital births and our you know medical trained caregivers don't understand physiological birth and they aren't willing to break from their routines they aren't willing to let birthing people try other positions or try moving around or just give them enough time so that you know that was just something I wanted you to share because I oh, yeah. I think it's amazing yeah yeah oh yeah yeah and I I totally agree like I said all of my babies were over nine pounds so you know oh it's doable and I'm so I'll tell you I'm five five and uh you know, my weight going into my, like before I got pregnant the first time was 124. So I'm, I'm not big, you know, um, I'm very just, you know, my pelvis is, I think average size and, you know, my bone structure is average size. So, you know, but I did it. I did it. 
That's amazing. I love yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really wish, you know, speaking to what you were saying about, uh, you know, the medical community and, and uh, you know, sort of being set, right, in these, these um, I guess, older ways or something like that. Um, you know, I also... Uh, I suppose every all the listeners out there will will hear um, that my husband works in TV and film, and he builds uh, film sets. And um, you know, I think also there's the the entertainment industry's uh, depiction, right? Oftentimes yes. of the birth process as being this this you know miserable screaming affair, um, you know, almost. Uh, sometimes like this, this angry thing or this very painful thing or, or basically just, just miserable. Um, and, and also scary. You, you mentioned the word scary L and, and, um, certainly, certainly I think in real life, there are moments, you know, that you pass through where you're, you know, you're scared and that's legitimate, but, but, you know, I think it's that depiction and, and it's a consistent depiction of of this just miserable awful experience that that you know I also wish that 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 would change I also wish that we would see more experiences that are beautiful that are empowering that show the woman uh mastering herself right um, and, and I'll tell you, when, when the midwives at the Taos Midwifery Center gave us that Russian film to watch, that was all about beautiful. I mean, we watched this beautiful imagery of these women who were serene and these babies who would come out and they'd, they'd swim a little bit, you know, before coming to the surface and taking that first breath. And, and oh my gosh, it was magical. And, and that was, I mean, that was it for us. That was just, that was the goal was to have a birth like that. And we definitely had that birth. So, you know, I wish we could also see more of that imagery out there. We've, we've definitely talked about that on the show before about the media portrayal of birth and labor and pregnancy in this country, in this culture, creating this cultural narrative of pain and fear and suffering and trauma that isn't always present. Yes, it can be 100%. Hmm. Doesn't have to be that way. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Um, you know, and I, I feel like I feel like uh, over the course of four very different birth experiences, like I said before, you know, even within the same woman, each of your birth experiences is going to be vastly different. And, yeah. you know, I'm one of those women who got to do it four times and each one was was distinct. Each one was unique. And, um, you know, I, I would have to say the the two hospital births not not to put them down you know um but you know um i I didn't feel empowered uh but but the second two oh yeah i was i was in i i was like i was like a goddess there so 
Yeah, I, I, I do wish there would be more of that, that it's not even a sense of empowerment. It's, it's a, it's just, let's get that empowerment out there, right? As, as, a, as a, I think almost a right, you know? Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on that, um, what is your dream for the birth community? <laughs> I, I think that's the dream. I think the dream is really to make make pregnancy and make the birth experience itself into the the beautiful, magical, empowering, goddess-like experience that I think it really is. It really is about being, oh my goodness, really being a goddess because, because you, you're, you're literally creating life. Yeah. Like you're literally allowing a, a being that's, that's not out here yet to pass through right pass through that that physical and perhaps you know metaphysical you know tunnel to to come out here you know to exist on this earth and i mean isn't that isn't that part of the definition i think it must be isn't that part of the definition of being a god or being a goddess is that you can create life right um so you know maybe the life was created you know uh, nine months prior but but to to allow it to actually manifest right and and be here out here i i think that's being a goddess oh i love it all right so dr cabral we also like to ask what is one thing you will do for yourself this coming week <laughs> i am definitely going to get myself out onto my balcony garden nice. oh that sounds so lovely yeah, yeah. That's my that's my retreat. So, Dr. Cabral, where could everyone find you and connect with you? Like Instagram, your website, things like that. Absolutely. So on Instagram, I am at the flame fit. And my website is www.theflamefit.com. And I actually just the other day, I opened my private Facebook group. Um, and I'm going to keep it open definitely until my birthday, which happens to be February 27th. Uh, but if anybody listening to this podcast ever wanted to request uh, to join the Facebook, they would be absolutely more than welcome. And that uh, private Facebook group is go on to Facebook and it's uh, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fit and on fire with flamenco flair and uh in all of those places we talk about um you know using flamenco movements and uh history and music and and power um to exercise and to get fit and get in touch with our own personal flair nice yeah 
So thank you so much, Coco, for coming on the show and talking with us. I'm so excited to share this episode with everybody and to share uh, Jan's episode with everybody <laughs> next week also. <laughs> this has been so delightful. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely wonderful to talk with both of you and and share, you know, my experiences with your listeners. Um, you know, that last birth was was 13 years ago actually almost to the day that we're recording this uh our 13 year old just had his birthday so um you know this has been so wonderful for me to to go back and and you know really really think about what what everything was like and and share you know share uh the the uh, all, all of the different things that happened with with the four different births and um you know, hopefully that's helpful for, for your listeners. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Yay, you're so welcome. Thank on. you, guys. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.